All right, good morning, folks. Today is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023. Welcome to episode number 372 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Matthew, Matthew Pelkey, Derelict Code, Richard Dyering, Ross... Laritza over on LinkedIn, Alex Mayrides, Jesse Johnson, John Bruno, Chris K. Hall, current baton holder of the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, Boban Jesse, and so many more of the Simply Cyber Community are going to be shredding the top cyber news of the day, and I'll be giving my opinion and analysis, much like many of you will be in chat, but I'll be giving mine on what that story means to you as a practitioner, so, you know, tactically, how can you do something about it today to reduce cyber risk for your organization, or if there's a long-term kind of strategic aspect to it. Uh, We'll cover that and you can bake it into your Q3 plans for 2023 or Q1 if you're on this weird half fiscal year uh, nonsense that businesses like to do. Or, hello, don't think that, oh, geez, I'm not a practitioner. I I better X out of this window. Hold your horses, my friend. If you are looking to break into the industry, this podcast is going to deliver fistfuls of value into your pie hole. Believe that. You will be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current in the industry? This is the answer. On top of that, we're going to be covering different terms, different concepts. We'll talk about APTs, including Flaming Donkey. It is imperative for your success to get basically immersed and exposed to all of this terminology. Cybersecurity is gigantic, and the only way to do it really is to just, you know, do a nasty plunge and fall into the pool. Believe that, and you're in good company because everybody in the Simply Cyber community is wicked supportive and wicked nice, and I just love it. So sit back, relax. We got a great show for you today. Before we get into it, though, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with my good friend Eric Taylor over at Barricade Cyber. You guys know him. I love him. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. I'm talking, you had ultra level five spicy dinner last night on an empty stomach and you're waking up in the morning to ransomware. You're like, oh, it hurts, but don't sweat it. Barricade Cyber Solutions is a professional services company, the equivalent of the pink stuff, and they know how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Ransomware, not on their watch. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. You're going to love it. I got their website on uh, stream right now. This is Eric Taylor's calendar on the front page of their website. You can get on his calendar at 10 a.m. this morning and have a conversation with him. Not be intimidated. It's literally just business. Hey, what would happen if we got hit? Well, let's talk about it. Like, are you in the cloud? Are you on-prem? Do you have multiple facilities? Who's your InfoSec officer? Who does your insurance? These are all like basic day one questions that you know you should think about and uh, it's worth your time to have that conversation. Also wanna say shout out and love to XM Cyber. Let me put the actual correct website that they want. 
XM Cyber, guys. If you don't know, organizations are overwhelmed with thousands of exposures across cloud and on-prem environments on a monthly basis. This is true. So efficiently reducing risk is an almost impossible task. Discover the most critical threats and practical tips on how to overcome remediation fatigue with a new approach to efficiently reducing risk with XM Cyber's 2023 State of Exposure Management Report. There's a link in the description below. Guys, all you got to do is click on the link. It takes you to a little page. You download the report. You read the report. That's the tricky part. Guys, I can't tell you how easy it is. And you yourself might be guilty of this. It is wicked easy to download a report. It's difficult to read it and consume it, okay? So take that step, consume it, read it. I'll even tell you, uh, the other day uh, was like, uh, there was a big report around dark web market activity and then the M Trends, which is a big annual report, came out. And both of those reports were like 200 pages. I'm a printed out, read it kind of guy with a highlighter and a chair. I can't print out 200 pages. I cannot, like I do care about the environment. And uh, 200 pages just seems egregious. And even if you're doing four per page, both front and back, that's still eight into 200, which is like, what, 25 pages? I mean, that's not terrible, but at the same time, ah! All right. Um, and obviously, Panopsi Security, but we'll get to them at the mid-roll. I want to say what's up to the 143 beautiful people in chat. 144, welcome to that person who just walked in the back door. Come on up front. Plenty of seats up front. Guys, <clears throat> each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, so be sure to say what's up in chat, take a screenshot, do what you got to do to record your presence. This is an instructor-led webinar by what I would argue a, um, I'm certainly a professional in the field, I would argue as an instructor at the uh, military college, as a long-term uh, practicing member of our community, I think I'm qualified to lead uh, threat briefings. So just get the CPEs. If you're live with us, hashtag team live. Um, thank you, Alex Goodwin. Hit the like button. That's always good. I'll ask you at the mid roll to hit the like button, but here's the, here's the TLDR, the like button. It's not to pump my stats. It's not so I can like have a cup of coffee and be like, look how many people like me. It's so other people who don't know about the podcast, find out about the podcast. It's basically like, did you ever play the old Nintendo games where you have to like rapidly push the A and B button, like track and field or something? That's what hitting the like button is. If you hit it fast enough and get the meter over whatever, uh, you know, arbitrary bar the, the video game is set up, YouTube will push this podcast to other people who are searching for cybersecurity content. That's the deal of the like button. Anyways, if you're live with us, hashtag team live in chat. Always great to see you all. If you're watching on replay, hashtag team replay. I do love my replay people. Replay people are people too, as always. And uh, if you're getting here late and double speeding to catch up, or you have to leave a little bit early because you got a meeting that gets in the way of this podcast, how dare your boss schedule a meeting? Hashtag team hybrid. Let us know you are here, but you're going to catch, uh, catch the rest of the show on the uh, end of the uh, stream there. And then my favorite, hashtag lurker, excuse me, like, you know, record scratch, hashtag passive observer. If you are shy, if you're introverted, if you're not sure how to get going in a social way, hashtag passive observer, passive observer, take the first step into the light. Um, 
Take that first step into your social networking light. Believe me, professional networking is incredibly valuable. You're going to be happy with it in the long term. All right, guys, we're going to get going. I do want to tell you all that I have been drinking Colombian coffee the last, oh my God, it was only one day. (laughs) It was only one day. It felt like a month, okay? Went to Costco last night, bought as much Starbucks French roast coffee beans as I could, made a obscene proportion of coffee grounds to hot water mixed today and i am funneling this stuff so get your beer bong college kids line it up and let's let's do some starbucks french rolls because that's where i'm at Mm. so good so good oh so good i probably wouldn't be able to be one of the people on the transport to like migrate to mars because <laughs> there isn't starbucks french roast there and i'm like nah i'm good i'm good pass <laughs> all right so we're gonna get into the news now sit back relax and um no costco hot dogs normally shane is a is a standard operating procedure but um the kids did that Wife and I actually, there's like a really great taco joint on the way home from Costco. So Mrs. and I, um, you know, dipped into the taco joint and went uh, taco crazy. Okay, sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot cyber news wash over us in an awesome wave. See you guys at the mid roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023. Meta receives record fine over EU data transfers. The European Union fined the social networking giant 1.2 billion euros for privacy violations related to transferring European users' data to the U.S. Regulators say Meta stored European data in U.S.-based data centers where information could potentially be accessed by American intelligence agencies with no means for citizens to appeal. Regulators also ordered Meta to stop transferring European Facebook data to the U.S. and delete existing data all within six months. Meta could avoid these requirements if a new transatlantic data sharing framework comes into effect before that time. Meta says it plans to appeal. The previous largest privacy fine in the EU came back in 2021 when it fined Amazon 746 million euros for GDPR violations. All right. So in other news, the European Union's gross domestic product is around <laughs> the uh, chief import um, of uh, that backs the GDP for the European Union is privacy fines. This just in. So <clears throat> I'm being playful and lighthearted on this, but but I'm I'm pro privacy. I love privacy. Um, I'm a, co- a converted uh, person when it comes to privacy being like an important thing. I used to be the guy who's like, well, I got nothing to hide. So whatever. Now I, I'm, I'm enlightened, but meta and Amazon, but specifically meta, dude, they just got like a $250 million Ireland fine. Now $1.3 billion. Um, again, um, let me see this really quickly. Uh, meta annual revenue. It's all, it's always gotta be in perspective, right? So meta made $117 billion last year. So this fine is essentially less than 1% of their gross annual revenue, which, which is not, um, I mean, terrible, right? I mean, if you think about it, the average ransomware attack is 3% of your gross annual revenue and businesses are willing to pay that, right? So I'm not saying it's exactly apples to apples, but just put it in perspective. If, if you make $100,000 a year, 
right? And you park your car in a, like in a no parking, in like the fire lane because you're a jerk and you want to park like in the fire lane in front of the grocery store because you're important and you're just going to run in and do your shopping and come out. And you come out and there's a fine on your car for um, $1,000, right? If you make $100,000, $1,000 would be the fine, right? I mean, that's not nothing, but you know, it's, you're not like, oh, I guess like I'm not gonna be able to feed my kids today. Right. So I am trying to thousand dollars would still suck though. But anyways, Meta's getting fined left and right. Obviously they're going to appeal this, which just kicks the can down the road. So, um, because they've been fined doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be what they pay. I'm sure the lawyers will help reduce this into some settlement. This is a big splashy headline. The problem that the European Union has is that they're saying that Meta's taking the data from European citizens and moving it into the United States, which violates some part of a data transfer uh, rule or agreement in the GDPR, ultimately for uh, intelligence agencies to review it, is what they're saying. I don't know if that's true or not, but... You know, Facebook Meta is a U.S.-based company. I mean, I guess it makes sense to me that from a just from an expense perspective, it's kind of dumb for Meta to stand up a whole separate business in the European Union just to handle European Union data. Uh, obviously, they get uh, benefits of economies of scale of being able to aggregate all people into one kind of database and, and do data analytics on it and stuff like that. They have six months to delete the data. I'm sure you can do a lot of data science in six months. Um, so I, I will say that I genuinely appreciate this is something you won't see in the United States. Again, this isn't a political show, but we always find ourselves swimming in murky waters here. GDPR is a privacy regulation in the European Union that has teeth. When I say teeth, I'm talking like great white shark, multiple rows of razor sharp teeth. They will find you without even like, like catching a sweat right? The European Union is like, catch me outside, <laughs> right? The United States, like we have HIPAA fines, but they're usually like only the most egregious examples. And it's only if the business, the healthcare provider is like time and time again, being negligent and stuff like that. So the, the level of uh, implementation and applicability of the financial fines that GDPR implements are used and levied way more often and way heavier than we see in the United States, which if you look at the way they treat privacy in the European Union, they treat it much more seriously. They treat it as almost a civil right, whereas in the United States, it's more like, you know, here's a coupon for a free scoop of ice cream at Joel Belton's ice cream shop in exchange for all your privacy data. And people are lining up like, give me that rocky road, baby. So, you know, it's two different cultures. China bans Micron over cybersecurity risks. The Cyberspace Administration of China warned critical infrastructure operators against buying components from the chip maker Micron, citing relatively serious cybersecurity risks in its products. The action comes a month after China announced an investigation into Micron imports. The CAC did not detail any security risks or identify specific vulnerable Micron products. The U.S. Commerce Department said the Chinese action had no basis in fact. Roughly 11% of Micron's revenue comes from China, although that's significantly less than other chip makers like Intel, Broadcom, Qualcomm, and AMD. Crypto All right. So um, this is one of those ones where it's more macro level story. Okay, so Micron chips... China bars them, I guess. Does that mean ban them? Like they're not going to take them anymore? I was talking with Mod Chat about catch me outside. <laughs> so I missed kind of part of the story. 
Um, okay, so Micron passed a cybersecurity review in the country. Okay, guys, a couple of things I want to point out. One, there in the macro level story is that there is this like, there's this kind of t tech war going on, okay? China's on one side, United States is on the other, and they have like, um, they have underlings, if you will. So think of it as like two, and this is not awesome, but think of it as like two crime bosses, right? US and, the, and China. You don't, you know who the dons are, right? So China's the dawn of one and US is the dawn of the other. D-O-N, not like, you know, sunshine. And the capos, like the underling bosses, the underbosses, you don't really know their names, right? You know Don Corleone, but you don't know like, you know, his lieutenant in Chicago or whatever. The, those those underlings are like Japan, Netherlands. I don't even know who China has on their side. They're kind of like operating um, solo. Although China does have like Russia somewhat. Although Russia's not getting too involved in this tech clash. But anyways, if you go look at the data, there has been massive amounts of posturing and diplomatic influences and sanctioning and flexing, right? To use a, a parlance of our time, like U.S. is flexing on China. And the whole idea is to limit and reduce and impact China's ability to produce technology independent of the global economy, right? Go look at what U.S. did with Japan and Netherlands as far as making like agreements on what they will and will not ship. So China to bar micron chips doesn't surprise me. Now, one of two things is happening, right? One, they're saying that the product failed the cybersecurity review. I hate being a, I, well, I don't hate it because I do it all the time. I'm going to put on a tinfoil hat here. Okay. Thanks for the sub, Raul D. Um, whether or not Micron passed a cybersecurity review or not remains to be seen because I could easily say Micron being the best, uh, o openly transparent, everything's wicked cool and above board. Um, and China's still like, nope, you failed, right? Like one of those kind of like setups where it doesn't matter what, it, they're, they are caught in the gears, Micron is caught in the gears of this global conflict and they just happen to be a victim, okay? That is a speculative hot take. That is not based on any fact. Now, it's possible Micron's in bed with the United States and did bake in uh, some type of espionage capabilities and China caught it and China's like, nah, not on my watch, brah. So again, that's another kind of speculative hot take. But in my opinion, and I, I guess I'm biased, but I almost, I, I would actually think that China's just like, nope, I don't think so because like you're friends with the United States or you made some decisions in the way that you produce your chips, Micron, that doesn't agree with you know, uh, China's long-term visions and stuff like that. What is the impact? Micron loses 11% of, it said it in the story, 11% of their gross product because that's where they, they sell 11% or 11% of their revenue is from uh, China. If it is one of these gears of war, one of these machinations where Micron is a victim, I'm sure... There's going to be some type of like glad handing or back rubs coming in to help Micron push into new markets and kind of recover some of that lost wages in exchange for Micron not being in China. So the, to me, this is one of those stories that like if you were like, bear with me, okay, guys, 
if you were like at the beginning of like an action movie or the beginning of some type of like post-apocalyptic movie, you know, sometimes they'll show you like a multiple cut scenes of like news articles or like news reports, like, like kind of in, in indicating or showing like a, um, a direction or, you know, like zombie movies do it all the time where it's like, Oh, like one sick person reported and then like China, you know, or like Japan goes offline and then it escalates. Right. It's like these news cuts where they escalate this story, just like others. Like if there was an action movie or, or mission impossible movie or whatever, where the ultimate conflict, the plot revolved around the access to semiconductor technology and these global world powers. This story would just be one two second cutscene in that in that montage of cutscenes. There's been so many. Uh, just keep an eye on it. Obviously, it can affect uh, from from a practitioner perspective. Um, like because I always like to bring this to practitioners. From a practitioner perspective, you've probably already been feeling this pain. This this story has influence on global supply chain. And if you have tried to purchase laptop replacement technologies or you know computer replacement technologies, there's a bit of a long lead time. If you've tried to buy a new vehicle in the last 18 months, there is a long lead time. It all has to stem from the access and the production outputs of semiconductor technology. I know it sounds boring, it would be way cooler if it was like, you know, much more salacious, but it's not. This is the deal. Okay. And it's just these two superpowers kind of flexing on each other. A mixer hijacked. When we talk about the cryptocurrency mixer Tornado Cash on this show, it's usually in stories involving money laundering. But the service now finds itself in the crosshairs of malicious actors. Researchers at the crypto investment firm Paradigm discovered an attacker used an exploit to grant themselves majority voting power in the service's decentralized structure. This saw the actors withdraw 10,000 of the service's Torn governance tokens and sell them on exchanges. Binance said it suspended sales of Torn as a result. So far, no comment from Tornado Cash on the incident. Android phones. All right. Um... All right, so here's the deal. First of all, I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. It's been a minute since we had some FinFrock action on here. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, and like basically, a tor I'm going to tell you a couple things. One, Tornado Cash uh, is one of these mixers, right? So if a bad guy steals or bad lady steals, um, a, a, you know, a, a million dollars of crypto, right? It's on the blockchain. It's immutable. You, if I steal a million dollars from Gabe Lister, right, and I go to Pizza Hut to buy a, you know, a two hundred thousand dollar pepperoni pizza, and I buy, I can pay for it with crypto. The second I go to make the transaction, they're gonna know that this is a stolen, this is stolen money because it's you can't really, it's not cash, it doesn't disappear, right? Like there's a there's a immutable record of it. That's the whole, that's the whole beauty. That's the the um the dream of blockchain. Okay. So what they have invented, right? And these are actually sanctioned in the United States. You're not even allowed to use them. Are these mixers, right? A bunch of people throw in all their money and then money comes out and it's, it's, it's cleaned in the way that it's very difficult to trace back to the original wallet, but it's not impossible. And in fact, um, there is a uh, services that will actually quickly like kind of un, unspin or unmix uh, crypto uh, to be able to see where it came from. Uh, check out Tracers in the Dark by Andy Greenberg. Check out the Darknet Diaries episode 
on um, Hello Video, which is a really dark, disturbing episode. So uh, be forewarned, it has to do with CSAM, but uh, it's brilliant, uh, the technologies that can unwash these things. Now, here's what I really want to tell you, okay? As much as I am, you know, employed, and many of you are employed to stop bad people from doing bad things, I do have a healthy amount of respect and a hat tip, and I've done this on the streams before, for threat actors that are so clever as to exploit protocols and concepts and really determine and discover vulnerabilities and then exploit them, okay? I'm not endorsing that. I'm not saying let's go and exploit vulnerabilities. I'm just saying I love it. Uh, from, from, a, from an analytical perspective, from a academic education intelligence perspective, I love it. Why, what is it about this story I love? Okay, guys. So part of the thing with crypto is that it's supposed to be kind of a decentralized, governance-driven, community-based consensus um, decision-making, right? So, hey, like Simply Cyber Community, there's 260 of you in the stream right now. We're gonna or 261. We're gonna vote on. I'll tell you what CCM is later. I don't want to put it. I don't want to say it right now. It has to do with uh, inappropriate kid material. Okay, I think that should be enough to to indicate it. It's an acronym. If you Google it, it'll come up. Okay, so there's 261 in here. We're gonna vote on something. Do we do jawjacking now or do we do it at the end of the stream? We vote and then the majority wins. Right. So if we're gonna do something with our money. We vote and a majority wins instead of having like a board of directors decide what we do with their money. Okay, that sounds great in theory, but where is the vulnerability? The vulnerability is if you own more than 51% of the voting shares, it's no longer consensus. You are the authority. You get to decide. And some threat actor basically hijacked the, the um, environment and was able to um, secure more than half of the... Um, the 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 uh the votes essentially and then they voted on whether or not to give themselves all the money now in a normal consensus driven uh you know democracy no one's going to vote to give one person all your money right it'd be like it'd be like you saying like okay like chris Hall, like everybody like take your wallet out and give it to chris Hall. 99% of people except chris is going to say no but if chris controls 51% of the votes we as a collective agree to give our money to chris and um, like, it, obviously it sucks, but that is weaponizing the protocol. So very cool, very interesting. Let's keep going. Plagued with malware. At the Black Hat Singapore conference last week, researchers at Trend Micro presented findings that up to 8.9 million Android devices across 50 brands could be infected by guerrilla malware. This malware came from 15 malicious apps published on the Play Store. Guerrilla establishes a backdoor to C2 servers, collecting data that's eventually sold to advertisers. The malware also uses extensive plugins, able to do things like sending WhatsApp messages, setting up a reverse proxy, and injecting ads into other apps. Trend Micro did not name the brands impacted by this malware. Okay, so way to go, Trend Micro, right? <clears throat> uh, doing the research, nicely done, dropping it on at Black Hat Asia, which is cool. I want to point out a couple things. <clears throat> One, this story uh, has been it's been in the news the last couple of days. I, I'm not going to go into lengths about talking about second tier uh, devices that have forked Android OSs. Go listen to last yesterday's show. I, I, I went at length in it. 
I, I want to call attention to the fact that it's not just phones, it's TVs too, right? If you have a smart TV that runs on Android OS, you may not even realize it, okay? Obviously, like um, Amazon Fire devices, uh, Kindles, like th those are all kind of well-known, but like there's a lot of additional <clears throat> uh, devices, smart devices, everything that runs on Android OS. And it's coming pre-configured with this Gorilla Malware, which is a framework that allows basically, it's not even, it says malware, but based on what I'm reading, yes, it can be weaponized for malicious intent, but it, it really does sound like also they're almost baking it in so corporate entities can siphon out and pull out usage data, telemetry information on your behaviors, on how you're using it, where you're using it, how often you're using it. And ultimately, they sell it as advertising information so <clears throat> you can better market to these people and figure out where they are, right? If I know... If I know that you're watching your Android TV between the hours of 3 and 5 a.m., well, then I could probably focus my campaign, uh, my marketing campaign for uh, sleep aid medicine at that point, as opposed to 1 to 2 a.m. when you're not watching TV or 3 to 4 in the afternoon when you're not tired in the first place. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's just a simple, silly example. But my point is, even though it's malware, because it's it's software that you didn't agree to that's um, sucking up your information and stuff. I don't know if all the use cases are malicious in the sense of like information stealing and um, stuff like that. It's probably still doing that. So don't, don't, don't sleep on it. I'm not saying that this is like harmless bloatware. Um, yeah, <laughs> this, this TV box that they looked at is reporting into a C2 server. Um, if you're interested in like a, fun, so this is for people looking to break in or people who just love InfoSec. If you're interested, a really fun, um, exercise. And again, if I was, if I, if, if this is my full-time job, this would be a fun exercise to do for a video, but <clears throat> get a, get a, find the cheapest Android device you can, right? Find the absolute cheapest one you can put it on a network segment that has to go through um, a switch that you have span ported, like basically you're sniffing all of the traffic between the Android device and the internet and capture that traffic and look at it and, and see if you can't identify odd behavior, weird IP addresses, you know, beaconing, these type of things. That would be like a really interesting exercise. It's essentially one step of what Trend Micro did here. If I had to guess, Trend Micro um, both did the network um, behavior and they decompiled the Android APKs to look at the source code or at least a disassembled version of the source code. I don't know how Android works. I think it's compiled. Um, yeah, it is a fun video idea, but that would require a lot of prep work. And um, it just, I don't have the bandwidth to do that right now, unfortunately. And now we'll word from our sponsor, Sunrise. But if you did it, it would make a heck of a blog post. It would make a heck of a story at a job interview. You might even get a CVE. Did you know that 81% of breaches are due to compromised identities? It's a sobering statistic and one that enterprise organizations cannot afford to ignore. Sunry Security has made a name for itself by securing enterprise clouds from the inside out, securing every identity, access, and permission in the cloud. 
Download Sunreeze Security's new CIEM Buyer's Guide to learn more about fortifying your cloud from the inside out at sunreesecurity.com. That's S-O-N-R-A-I security.com. Here we go. It's this the mid-roll. <clears throat> I want to thank all of you for being here, especially all of you squad members. I genuinely appreciate the squad support. Um, it, it, it enables me to do a lot of good things for the channel, including including putting a floor in the buffer Osier Flow um, mainframe studio bungalow presented by Paul Meadow Exterminators and Red Bull. Mrs. Osier dropped a floor in there yesterday. Looks great. She, she crushed it. Thank you to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, XM Cyber, and Panopsi Security. Guys, I didn't tell you about Panopsi yet, but I want to tell you about them. Their quantified risk assessment uh, service can come in, evaluate your entire business's risk posture, and output a quantified risk assessment that will have fact-based evidence to support the statistical findings that it reports on, on what your likelihood of suffering specific cyber risks are, like cyber threats, like ransomware, business email compromise, denial of service attacks, and then give you options on how you can reduce your risk to a percentage that is socially, um, that is, fits your risk appetite, right? So you can't eliminate all risk, but if I said you have a 90% chance of ransomware, ransomware, but if you invest 30 grand and hire one person, you can have a 2% chance of ransomware. And oh, by the way, the average of ransomware incident's like $180,000. If you can hire a person for 90,000 and buy a solution for 20,000, you're in for 110, your product, your program's better off, and you're still saving 70 grand from the high likelihood of suffering a ransomware incident. That's just one example of what a quantified risk assessment can do for you and your business. Don't sleep on it. Go to Panopsi Security or panopsi.com, link in the description below. Brandon does a good job. I love that guy. All right, I, I mentioned this yesterday on the stream, but wanted to let everybody know the Simply Cyber weekly newsletter is temporarily put on ice. It is in moratorium until further notice. I'll probably get back to it in a few months, but um, I don't have time for it, frankly. Um, I've got so many projects and initiatives going on that something had to give, and sadly, even though it only takes me about an hour a week to do it, that one hour is incredibly valuable to me. Guys, do me a favor, hit that like button for a hot minute. Jess Bishop with the super chat. I mean, Jess Bishop, excuse me, with the gifted subs. Giddy up on those gifted subs, everybody. Let, let Jess Bishop know that you grabbed one. Look at Eric Taylor got a gifted membership from Jess Bishop, that's brilliant. Eric Taylor from um, Barricade Cyber is usually dropping hundreds of gifted subs, so that's really funny. Uh, thank you very much, Jess Bishop, longtime member. Uh, Jess Bishop, longtime member of the um, Simply Cyber community. It looks like Virginia Case is in the house right now, so remind me of jawjacking time. I got a big update for everybody, especially Matthew Pelkey regarding Virginia Case. Simply Cyber Community Challenge, guys. Chris K. Hall currently has the baton. Chris, if you would do me a favor and tag somebody in chat, I would appreciate it. Guys, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is an opportunity for you to build your own professional network in an organized, structured way. I built the scaffolding. All you have to do is climb onto it and start building your own professional network. I'll handle the infrastructure and heavy lifting. You do the rest. Chris K. Hall is about to tag someone. Go onto LinkedIn. Find the hashtag, you can search for it. 
Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Connect with the people who are posting in that. Connect with the people who are in the comments. Connect with Chris Cahall from yesterday. Chris is about to tag someone. That person's gonna post their cyber story and add the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Go connect with them. Is, I cannot make you drink the water, but I can bring a pool right to your face. Please engage in the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. All right, it's Tidbits Tuesday. Every Tuesday, I share a little bit of a little personal, whatever, a little something about me. Um, basically, here's a fun one. Of all the Italian dishes, I love lasagna. I love a good lasagna. You don't really see it often on the menu at places. Uh, there's a lot of like Bush League implementations or, uh, you know, executions of lasagna, but like a really good lasagna. Mm, I love it. I love it. I, hold on. Lasagna. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So that's a little tidbit Tuesday. Let me know in chat if you're a lasagna fan or not. I, I do appreciate a good lasagna. All right. Let's keep rolling. All businesses with cyber readiness. When we cover ransomware attacks on this show, often we're highlighting attacks against large organizations. But in terms of ransomware attack volume, these represent the exception, not the rule. A recent Coveware study found that 72% of ransomware attacks impacted organizations with less than 1,000 employees. 29% of attacks hit those with less than 100. To respond to this reality, the National Institute of Standards and Technology launched the Small Business Cybersecurity Community of Interest, or COI. This aims to provide a two-way street to communicate with small businesses. The COI will provide companies a platform to provide NIST with feedback about cybersecurity issues. These will inform how NIST issues guidance and develops tools specifically for small businesses. All right. Bad. All right. So I've got a... Okay, so a couple things here. One... One way to go NIST, right? Can we get our iHeart NIST out there, squad members? Especially if you just received a squad membership from Jess Bishop. Enjoy that. Um, enjoy that. Um, so NIST loves themselves some cybersecurity. And you get cybersecurity. You get cybersecurity. You're in manufacturing, you get cybersecurity. You're in healthcare, you get cybersecurity. You're a small business, you get cybersecurity. So I love this, okay? Now, the initiative, not, here's the thing. Small businesses could always use NIST's resources, but um, now they're having a community of interest for small business. I'm about to get a little, I'm about to get a little um, macabre here, if you will, okay? A little, a little dour. Here's the thing. I don't know. Many of you may not know this, but uh, well, first of all, I have a PhD. I don't know if you know that, but when you get a PhD, you have to write a dissertation. It's like this massive, arduous, stressful, soul-sucking research project, and you basically publish a book at the end. It took me 18 months to do my research and publish it. Okay, you can you can find it online. It's called Flashlight in a Dark Room. Okay, my entire focus. And I was so naive. I was so naive. My entire focus was small business in the healthcare sector in, in South Carolina, okay? But I wanted to do small business because this story right here, this has been the case for years and years and years. Small businesses lack budget. They lack access to resources. They get slapped around all the time. And the idea that we're too small to get attacked 
like push that to the side. It's been proven time and time again that that's not true. So small businesses have constantly been getting the Heisman, okay? The Heisman, right? Now, I went in and did all this research and I discovered, this is the title of my book, right? Um, Flashlight in a Dark Room. The problem is not access to knowledge. The problem is like, with all due respect, I love that NIST is launching something for small businesses, but that's not the problem. Okay, this isn't gonna solve anything. This is a hot take. And it, people who um, people who support small businesses, a lot of MSPs might be in chat, support small businesses. Here's the problem. Small businesses are typically running super lean, meaning they don't have extra revenue to invest in teams of InfoSec people. A lot of small businesses don't even know that they need cybersecurity. It's becoming a little bit more mainstream, but a lot of small businesses say like, oh, I've got a laptop, I've got a phone, I don't get hacked, I you know, I run multi-factor, whatever, I'm good to go. A lot of small businesses, and this is like one of my key findings, is that they believe that an IT service provider, because many of them outsource, an IT service provider handles information security for them. That is patently not true, but they believe that InfoSec is IT. So when they hire for, info, uh, for IT services, they should get InfoSec. And if you compound that with how in 2023, most businesses, small businesses go right for cloud, right? Office 365, Google Docs, Google Workspaces, whatever. And they're just like, oh, this is a turnkey solution. They handle all the security, okay? So again, I love that NIST did this, but it's not going to move the needle because the business owners behind this, especially small businesses, like I'm talking like 10 or fewer employees, right? They are not thinking, they're, they're thinking like, how do I make product? How do I make money? How do I market this? How do I get more clients? They're not thinking like, oh, I really should think about like, you know, standard configuration or baseline configurations for my Windows laptops for my staff. No, they're like, here's a company credit card, go to Best Buy, purchase a laptop, get your butt down to the conference and start selling product, right? So it, it gets way more complicated. Oh, thanks, Jesse Johnson. It gets way more complicated. Um, but my point is small businesses are heavily attacked and they suffer massive losses. I have numerous examples where they've gone out of business because of ransomware, because they're unable to recover because uh, they don't have the runway to be able to support being down for a week or two because they, they're running so lean with revenues. <sighs> Anyways, it, it I get, I'm getting a little hot under the collar because small businesses is very special to me. And I like my entire consulting firm was originally based on supporting small businesses and delivering services to small businesses. The problem is small businesses, they don't understand the business model and they want like a full six week risk assessment, you know, soup to nuts performed for like $3,000. And, you know, without getting to the business of the business, three grand for six weeks of work isn't going to fly. <laughs> That's not going to work. All right. So let's keep rolling. Uh, it remind me of Jaw Jack, and I'll drop a link to my dissertation if you want to read it. My, I've heard people say it's a great sleep aid if you're looking, if you're having trouble sleeping. Giddy up on my <laughs> dissertation. Magic Group operating for over a decade. Oh man, this coffee is making me sweat. Researchers first reported on the Bad Magic Threat Group back in March 2023. At the time, it highlighted its activity in sectors adjacent to the ongoing Russia-Ukraine war. However, the researchers recently found the group's activity goes much farther back. Malwarebytes already discovered a series of bad magic espionage attacks from December 2020. 
However, Kaspersky discovered the use of its modular Cloud Wizard malware framework in telemetry data going back to 2017. It also identified source code similarities between Cloud Wizard and the malware family Precormka, which ESSET found dates back to at least 2008. The researchers found this history shows a persistent commitment to enhancing its tool sets and targeting organizations for cyber espionage. Did okay. Hold on one second. There's a lot going on in this story. Ooh. <laughs> Hey, infographic. <laughs> when did you get here? Okay, so, um, I mean, this is just a timeline. So this is not a very cool infographic. Uh, but you can see it's been around 14 years. Here's what I think about this. <clears throat> All right. Cloud Wizard Framework, Bad Magic Threat Actor Group, Operation Ground Bait, operate in the Russia-Ukraine space. Here is what I think. One, you don't really need to worry about this unless you're dealing in geopolitical, specifically in the Ukrainian conflict, or you're a defense contractor in the United States, which chances are, if you are a defense contractor in the United States, you probably have an entire threat intel department in your, in your company. Here's the deal. I believe that this is a Russian-backed uh, APT. Now, they're using a custom uh, framework called Cloud Wizard, or it's been dubbed Cloud Wizard. I don't know if they call it that themselves. Here is something you need to understand. A lot of like, um, you know, kind of run-of-the-mill cyber criminals will steal uh, cracked versions or they'll use C2 frameworks like Sliver. Um, Cobalt Strike uh, is a popular one. Uh, it's going a little bit uh, down because there's so much detections for it. But, but the really good threat actors will develop their own C2 framework. Um, specifically, I, I learned this, um, Dave Kennedy from uh, TrustedSec, um, he invented the social engineering toolkit. He's always on Twitter, like working out. The dude's like shredded now. He looks like Thor. He runs a company um, that does, you know, a pen testing and offensive security services. And he spoke at Wild West Hackenfest and he was one of like, it was threaded into his conversation, but like they have their own in-house maintained, constantly updated c2 framework that they build and it really keyed me in on wow these companies that are really sophisticated they don't rely on third-party frameworks they develop their own right and, and with all due respect trusted sec they're a great company and everything they probably are a sophisticated you know actor um and but they don't have the backing of a, a nation state right so when you have the backing of a nation state you can have a whole team of people who are wicked smart working on your own framework. So they've got a custom framework for C2 behaviors, right? And they're well-funded and they're connecting, they're connecting espionage over the last 14 years, right? And it's being done in a coordinated, deliberate fashion, kind of like military operations, right? You don't just like, you don't just whimsically throw together a squad and I, military people, um, I'm probably using these terms wrong, so please grant me some grace, but you wouldn't like identify an objective and then just like round up a bunch of commandos or squ squads or battalions or whatever and like throw them at it, see what happens. And then, you know, like, you know, recklessly just be like, well, what about over here? We've got resources. What about over here? Let's do this. No, it's much more strategic. Like what are, um, you know, things of value, things of interest? How can we get them? What's the strategic long-term play? How do we do it quietly? This is the behaviors of, you know, state-funded 
well thought out military operations. And this one, you know, basically follows that. So, you know, that's what's going on there. I guess the TLDR here is that you should know that not everybody's using cracked versions of CrowdStrike. Like a lot of these more sophisticated ones will develop their own. Dishes on ransomware leak. Back in February, the TV provider Dish suffered a ransomware attack. This gained attention after it caused widespread outages to both Dish services and its own internal systems. Now, in a regulatory filing, the company disclosed attackers exfiltrated personal information on roughly 300,000 people. Dish says attackers did not access customer databases, so the leaked data comes from employee-related records. It sent breach notification letters to impacted people on May 18th. It only disclosed the leak included driver's license numbers, although other information may be included. The regulatory disclosure also said Dish received confirmation that the extracted data has been deleted, indicating it paid a ransom to the attackers. Yeah, I won't spend a terrible amount of time because um, uh, I'm over I'm over time. Apologies to Base Case and NCC Group. Um, Dish got hit a few months ago. They were down. Um, you couldn't tweet them. Service was out. I made fun of them because I didn't realize people were still using Dish. Apparently, I was quite wrong. I had a lot of people comment to me that um, they do. 300,000 employees affected. Dish paid the uh, ransom. The amount that they paid was undisclosed. And the threat actors told them they deleted it. Now, there is some honor among thieves that uh, threat actors are actually motivated by having good, like, integrity scores. I know this sounds ridiculous, but the threat actors said they deleted the data. Chances are they did delete the data because the next company that they hit, right? Let's say they hit DirecTV next. They want DirecTV to Google this threat actor or ask Barricade Cyber when they come in to help with ransomware response to say, oh no, Flaming Donkey, they delete the data when you pay them. It's, it's, it's guaranteed. We've seen with Dish that they have established reputation for following through on their assurances, right? So it's in, it's in the threat actor's um, incentive to com to actually do that, cash, right? So for them to say they delete it and then sell it on the dark web, they're basically shooting themselves in the foot. They're 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 doing a Plaxico Burris move by shooting themselves in the leg. If they say they deleted it and they didn't, because maybe they make a couple bucks off selling it on the dark web, but the next person they hit is going to be like, no, we're not going to pay the ransom because you did not follow through on your thing. Also, I just want to um, I just want to take a. Um, I just want to take a guess on how much the ransom was. Dish Network surprisingly made $16 billion in 2022. Um, usually it's like, you know, 1% to 3% of your annual revenue. Uh, so $1.6 billion would be 10%. Uh, divide that by five would be like $300 million. No, there's no way they paid $300 million. That would be a heck of a payday. So if I'm going to guess, I'm going to say um, $25 million, okay? PC attempts on the rise. Microsoft's latest Cyber Signals report shows that the company detected 35 million business email compromise attempts in the last year, seeing an average of 156,000 attempts per day. This comes as part of an overall 38% increase in cybercrime-as-a-service attacks against business email since 2019. These attacks generally don't target unpatched vulnerabilities. Rather, they focus on using the sheer volume of email to get victims to accidentally share financial information or otherwise facilitate a transfer of funds. 
Microsoft observed attackers using multi-channel spamming campaigns, including fake 2FA authentication, to eventually wear down victims into clicking through. This week on the CISO series... All right, so business email compromise. The silent, this is the carbon monoxide of the cybersecurity world, meaning it's the silent killer. Dude, everybody's puffing their chest up and, and flipping out and screaming at the mountaintops about ransomware. Business email compromise, I'm just telling you right now, y'all, like if I were to, if I were to like accidentally fall into the pool of acid that the Joker fell in, or I was to like have half my face blown off and I turn into Two-Face from uh, Batman, right? Or whatever, I have some tragic villain backstory. Whatever it is, if I come back with no moral compass, I'm not going ransomware. I'm not that, you know, I'm not that shiny. I'm not that glitter bomb. I'm going business email compromise every day of the week. It's it's like, it's it's way less publicized, way less heat, you know, good returns. I'm just saying, don't sleep on business email compromise if you're a defender, okay? Be mindful, educate the finance group. It seems ridiculous to send money out to people who don't deserve it or, or aren't warranted it but people do it all the time. This is literally, literally the second most lucrative crime in the cyberspace next to ransomware. There's got, there's probably a number in here. Let me search for the dollar sign. Of course, there's no dollar sign. Blah. Guys, I'm telling you, the average uh, business email compromise, it, it's like $70,000, $70,000, okay? Oh, here we go. They didn't, they put USD instead of the dollar sign, okay? FBI's recovery team, $590 million in losses. And this is just what was reported to the FBI in 2022. Several other businesses. I gave a talk in San Diego a couple weeks ago, and I talked about business email compromise. And I had someone come up to me afterwards, and they're like, I didn't know it was called business email compromise, but we lost $48,000 last week. I wish, I wish this talk had happened two weeks ago. So this happens all the time, and there's numerous ways to per, um, to perpetrate this crime. And again, I hate that this show is. Um, sometimes I feel like this is like uh, Mr. Wizard, if to to age myself on Nickelodeon, right? Mr. Wizard, except this is like Cyber Crime Lab 101. Like, come on in here, kids. Like, here's your rubber ducky and your um <laughs> and your like fake uh, Coinbase account. But guys. This happens all the time. There's numerous ways to do it. I leave it to you as an exercise to Google it. Um, also, well, here, remind me of Jaw Jacking about the book I just bought. Um, anyways, TLDR, Microsoft, because of Office 365, because of all the telemetry they get, um, they, they have full visibility into um, how these business email compromises are actually happening. And you should educate the crap out of your end users, especially um, the finance accounting team, like pull them aside. I'll tell you what here. Hold on. Now I'm starting to lose it. Listen, go to the CFO of your company, the CFO. I don't care if it's a man, a woman, young, old, a group of people. It doesn't matter when you tell the CFO that you want to talk it like in their weekly meeting or monthly team meeting or whatever, please give me the first two minutes of your meeting so I can educate your staff about a crime that's probably going to cost you 80 grand. Many businesses get hit repeatedly. The CFO is going to put on a Victorian error um, dress 
and do like the most grandiose bow to allow you the floor because you're literally trying to help them save money, which is what the CFO's job is entirely. The CFO is all about straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Right? So if you're going to be able to give them something that's definitely going to reduce risk and have direct cost savings, they'll give you the floor. They'll schedule a special meeting. Although I would advise you just do it at the beginning of the finance meeting because you're going to get better adoption and mental engagement um, for various uh, human psychological reasons, but I'm not going to get into that. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the stream. Apologies to NCC Group and Base Case, obviously, because I went way over, but I feel like it was all warranted. Do, do, do. All right, guys. So uh, I want to remind everybody that on Thursday this week, Gary Ruddle, a CTI analyst, British guy, he does like his, uh, I guess, soccer, tea, and uh, everything else stereotypical of uh, uh, English people. He does have his OSCP, and he got it explicitly not to do pen testing, but to better inform his CTI capabilities. So we're going to get into it with him. He's also doing uh, content creation on YouTube. I like this guy. That's why I'm bringing him on. Whew. Show up tomorrow for Worldwide Wednesday um, as we go around the world. It's going to be a good time. All right. So, guys, if you were here just for the news, thank you very much. I wish you all the very best. Have a great day. Go out there and crush it. If you want to spend a few minutes jawjacking, let's do that. Um, I want to call attention to a new initiative. This is a really, this is a really fast-moving project. Okay, this kind of came out of the blue. This came out of the blue. Is Virginia Case still in chat? Virginia, if you're in chat, please, um, I, I don't know, step into the light or say what's up. This initiative came out of the blue, and I love it. And Matthew Pelkey, it was either Matthew Pelkey or Jesse Johnson, I think it was Matthew Pelkey, asked during the pre-show about how do I market myself? How do I get on LinkedIn and do these things? Guys, I'm super, super excited. I don't even have, hey, Virginia, there you are. So you guys see Virginia Case in chat right now? Uh, Virginia is a marketing expert. And when I say expert, as much as I love cybersecurity, Virginia loves marketing, okay? We, we, Virginia and I, are launching a limited run podcast. It will be eight episodes long. I believe it's gonna start May 31st. I will, I will, I will advertise it and make everybody aware so you're not gonna miss it. But it's gonna be every other Wednesday and the entire intent of the eight-part limited run season of this podcast is marketing your cyber self. We are going to take our industry and Virginia's expertise, and we're going to meld them together. And it's going to be focused on the individual. And she is going to show you actionable techniques, concepts, human psychology, it's fascinating. We've already mapped out what all the shows are going to look like. It's going to be a 30-minute, high-intense live stream. You'll be able to go back and watch it. She'll, she'll do Q&A during the stream. I'm, I'm going to get out of her way and let her reign supreme with all her marketing knowledge so you can take advantage of marketing your cyber self. There is an art to it. There is a technique to it. And Virginia is going to give it all to us. This will be absolutely free. This will be a service to the Simply Cyber community. I genuinely appreciate Virginia willingness to take on this initiative. 
That's why we're doing it for eight eight parts. It's going to be huge. You're going to love it. Believe me. I'm already super excited about it. We're just getting a little bit of uh, marketing collateral together, like advertising collateral, so we can advertise it correctly. But stay tuned. You're going to love it, okay? So that's that's one big reveal. Um, I also want to say that there's been a request by Jenny Housley, who gets... Uh, she gets she gets pull for a recipe channel on Discord. So we will add a recipe channel for food. I thought it might be Python cookbook because <laughs> I am a nerd, uh, but apparently it's uh it's not. It's it's uh, food. So that's gonna be really really cool. Um, what else did hey did we get a um did we get someone to pick up the Simply Cyber Community baton? Jenny Housley, Kimberly. Chris Hall, did, did anyone pick it up? I, I need to know so we can uh, shout that person out. Oh, Jazzy Jazz, welcome to Discord. You're going to love it. Oh, no problem, Elizabeth Perry. Good to see you. Guys, I got to tell you, the coffee... The coffee ran strong today. Got a little, got a little sweat going. David Bollinger! All right, David Bollinger, you know what to do. Post your cyber story on LinkedIn, hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge, and community, get after it, and connect with both Chris K. Hall on his previous post and David Bollinger. Super excited for you. Um, so the name of the outro song is Skyline Scroller by um, Stream Beats by Harris Heller. The album is called Arcade. So if you go on Spotify and you look for Stream Beats by Harris Heller, album, arcade, song, Skyline Scroller, you'll get it. Oh, what book did I get? Yeah, thank you. Here, um, check this out. I saw this. This is one of those ones I saw on, somebody posted it on Twitter that they got the book. And um, like, I, I literally, literally immediately bought the book. Here, let me, uh, I'm going to pull it up on stream really quickly. It's just, I'm going to do it off stream so you guys don't, I don't like, I don't know what Amazon's going to show. Oh my God. Just like, I love the cover art too. Such a nerd. Check this out. Many of you might know that I love principles of fraud examination. This is like a, a deep cut for the simply cyber community. Principles of fraud examination is a textbook on the entire taxonomy of how to commit fraud. Derelict code with the super chat. Thank you, Derelict. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Okay. This book right here, Fool Me Once, it is scams, stories, and secrets from a trillion-dollar fraud industry. I just bought it, as you can see. I'm not BSing you. Right? I bought it a couple, yeah, two days ago, second I saw it. And this book is literally, to me, it's all about um, how to commit fraud. And guys, again, I'm not, like, into committing fraud. What I'm into is understanding how to commit fraud. Because to me... I'm not clever enough to come up with like my own cool um, crimes and cons. I'm, I'm too, I'm too much of a conformist. So I bought this book and I'm super pumped. It's downstairs. Yeah, it's a fraud cookbook. <laughs> so anyways, I'll let you guys know how it is. Um, I, I love it. And to me, my kids, my kids saw the book and they're like, why are you like, are you going to become a criminal dad? I'm like, no. I'm like, if I understand how criminals do it i will be better equipped to understand how to stop it the same reason gary ruddle got oscp so he could better be better at cti 
I need to know how criminals are operating so I'm not guessing how they're doing it. I know how they're doing it. So that's what's going on there. I'll let you know. Um, add it to the um, cybersecurity, uh, 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 cyber security central. Um, add this to my, my library books or whatever you want to call it. Exactly. Exactly. Carrie saying that Microsoft's doing their Microsoft build in Seattle online as well. So definitely check that out. Tim Ferrari did a presentation on the subject. Very cool. Definitely grabbing this book. Yeah, if you want, I can, um, I mean, I could drop a link. I don't, I don't know how to drop a link. Never mind. I can't drop a link. Just Google it. <laughs> uh, all right. Simply Cyber Reading Group would be cool. Well, I can certainly create a channel on Discord for book club. I personally don't have time, uh, unfortunately, to do it. I mean, I'm, I'm like doing three live streams this week that aren't even Simply Cyber related. I've got the haiku one later today. Elizabeth Perry's in chat. I'm doing that tomorrow. I'm like moderating that one. And then I have one on Thursday with ACI Learning and Sophie Goodwin. So I, I'm like, I'm maxed out like you read about. Um, um, also, Hey, Jesse Johnson, I, 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 and I wasn't trying to flex earlier, like obviously, um, it just, I, I was prefacing this. Here's my, uh, dissertation. I'll drop this in chat. If anyone wants to read it in case you think I'm BSing you, that's my dissertation. <clears throat> you can download it. Like I said, it's, <laughs> it's not quite a page turner the way you have to write phd dissertations is very prescriptive it's like it's like a standard formula like five five chapters you know intro lit review research method research findings conclusion like it's it's like a standard methodology so it's not quite tracers in the dark it's not uh this is how they tell me the world ends this is a grounded theory study on information security management at small healthcare provider organizations in the state of south carolina <laughs> it's very um you know whatever let's see what we got here remember last week when i got that job well my first assignment is to build out a content library around sysec for small businesses well jesse johnson may i direct your attention to NIST's cybersecurity initiative for small business that'd be a good one also uh jesse johnson um, my first like CISO gig, even though I felt confident, I wanted to make sure that I was really, really, um, going to crush it. Cause I, I hold myself to a very high standard. Um, check out this book. Um, hold on one second. Is this it? Yeah. I bought this book. Come on. Hey, you can see. Again, not lying to you, February 19th, 2020, as I was about to embark in my kind of first full-on CISO gig, I bought this book, Essential Guide to Cyber for SMBs. I was going into a uh, <clears throat> like 1,500-person uh, manufacturing company, 19 facilities, $700 million annual revenue. Um, Greenfield, I got to uh, build my own. This is a great resource. Gary, ha Gary Hayslip is a um, very knowledgeable professional. And this is a good resource, so something to <clears throat> take into account. Let's see. 
let's see. Um, Elizabeth Harry dropping links. Oh, that. Yep, Elizabeth dropped that link to the um, FTC safeguards that I'm moderating. Thank you, Elizabeth. You're welcome, Jesse. I'm interested in everybody succeeding. All right, I will create a food. So, guys, uh, the, the the requests are coming in under the Love Fusion Center, which is a segment of the Discord server where it's like not infosec related, but it's things people are into. I will create a um, cooking love channel, and I will create a book club channel. All right, so look for that. All right, guys. <clears throat> I appreciate the 200 of you conti continuing to uh, stay here through the jawjacking period. I think I addressed all the jawjacking things I wanted to. I'm going to boogie. I got some uh, work to do. Get ready. Also, I'm uh, just, if you haven't gotten the prompt design, I've been working through the puzzle. I am going to get that enamel pin. I'm going to win that. All right. As I said, keep your eyes open for some marketing material. Virginia and I are working on just um, firming up some of the uh, marketing stuff. And then that'll be published out and we can giddy up on that as well. All right, everybody. Have a great day. Be good. And until tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time, stay secure. We'll see you. I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one. Yeah. <laughs>